You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Making Waves Hey, welcome everyone. Welcome there in Shiprock land. You have gotten to, uh, you found yourself now at Making Waves. This is episode number five. So welcome on this lovely Thursday evening. And we are completely stoked to have our guest tonight. Um, the guy's the true original in the, the metal genre. Uh, you guys know him as the voice of Fear Factory and also of his project Ascension of the Watchers. Please everyone welcome Burton C. Bell. Thank you, Burton, for coming tonight and uh, joining us okay. on this one. Nice to see you again, Justin, and uh, thank you for having the dry lung vocal martyr back on your show, here on your show. Absolutely. And you guys know Chad, uh, the host of Sheriff Rock here. Right now, I'm going to go ahead and let uh, Chad and, and Burton uh, talk shop for a while. Hey, Chad. Hey, buddy. Uh, yeah. How are you, man? Great. Nice to know that we're in the same town. I know. Uh, before we started uh, this this live stream, Burton and I figured out that he was just in Michigan where you know, I live. Uh, but currently, I'm in Los Angeles, and we're basically down the street from each other. Uh, exactly. uh, so, where are you from, Burton? I just, I just realized I know where your your lady's from. Exactly where she's from now. <laughs> well, I'm How about you? I'm uh, originally born and raised in Houston, Texas. Oh wow! wow. How long did you uh, like live in Houston before you ended up? Um, I well, um, born there, and then. Uh, Lived all over the state, but mostly Houston. And then when I was 16, my, my, my parents moved to Northern Virginia because my stepfather got a new job, so he was transferred. So we moved to Herndon, Northern Virginia, and uh, I finished my, finished my junior and high school year there. Then uh, I went to art school in Washington, D.C. for a year and a half. And then dropped out. And then when I was 20, I moved to L.A. in 1989. Wow. So you effectively left Texas in the middle of your high school, uh, I guess, career, the four years yeah. or so. so high, there. Yeah, exactly. All of that stuff. And then you went to art school. Can, uh, that's uh, um, For me personally, that's a super, uh, I'm, I'm super interested to figure out what, you but like what drove you to art school was it music or was it some fine arts oh um i originally was into photography i'm still into photography but photography was my first love uh next to uh creative writing and uh you know i just i got into art school through photography and just you know paintings and stuff like that but i was really focused on the uh creating writing aspect of the art school and uh after the first year 
it was fun. You know, the first year was great. The foundations year is always fantastic. You, you just they just dive you deep into the fundamentals of every every type of art. And the photography was, of course, my favorite. But um, after the second year, well, after the first year, I uh, took some advice that I didn't really like and <laughs> I shouldn't have taken, but I did anyway because I took the advice of, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do when you graduate? Um, you're going to be an art teacher? I'm like, I don't want to be an art teacher. So I went into uh, graphic design, and graphic design before computers was just it was a nightmare. <laughs> like what? Yeah, how, how did you actually complete a task? Then it had to been like so many steps. Oh my god! I, uh, I, I there's too many rules and regulations in graphic design. I hated it. So I pretty much that was one reason why I dropped out. The other reason was because I was working at a record store to pay for my apartment, and working at the record store was a lot more fun. <laughs> and of course, going out to clubs at night was a lot even more fun than that. So right. school is cutting into my uh, leisure time. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the movie High Fidelity? Mm. John Cusack. Yeah, it, it's my favorite film. And when you mentioned the, the record store thing, I just pictured a young Burton Seabell, uh, uh, like John Black style. <laughs> I was working at a record store much like that one in Washington, D.C. Oh, shit. That's crazy. Yeah. And we were oh, so totally, like we were totally those asshole kids too. Yeah, <laughs> your music sucks. <laughs> I used to go into my hometown uh, record store all the time, and it, like the quintessential you, you know, would be behind the counter, and I would feel so like uneasy about being, you know, myself like a nerd because I thought they were so cool. You know, I'd be like scouring through some sort of like weird um, bootleg section of like Nirvana singles or something like that, and looking at the the kid that was like two or three years older than me at the counter being like, oh my God, It's funny to hear you uh, tell your story of going from Texas to D.C. because I had the exact same, I had to reverse. I'm a D.C. kid. My parents moved from Virginia to Texas. Oh, really? And, and my brother's in the middle of high school and I was just in grade school, but it was just like, when they said, hey, we're leaving D.C. and we're going to Texas, like, where's Texas? What's Texas? <laughs> Texas I figured I was going to be East Coast kid my entire life, so I love hearing that story. So, hey, real yeah, quick, DC, um, DC tattoo right here. Yeah, <laughs> love it, man. I want to get an old Washington Bullets tattoo. <laughs> so, my introduction to you, um, real quick, is someone who's been following you now, going on. Jeez, I, I don't even want to say the amount of years because then we'll date ourselves. But I saw you guys, I was living in Denver, and you guys had just put out Soul New Machine, and you guys were out with Sick of It All and Biohazard. That was our very first show on that tour. Dude, I tell wow. you, I was so, I was, it was at the Gothic Theater, which is a Gothic great, Theater. And amazing. Was, so I'm sitting here with my girlfriend, and you guys played your set, and I looked over, and I go, holy fuck. I didn't even, I didn't even think about after I'd sick of it all in biohazard, which were great. I didn't even give them a second thought after that show. So that was my introduction to you guys. And it was just well, like, thank you. It was, yeah, uh, it was just like, that was a, I remember that day. It was, uh, we drove, we drove all day just to get there from LA. And, yeah. uh, we were in a panel van. We pulled a mattress off the street to put into the van so we could just sleep on it in our sleeping bags and whatever blankets we had. Yeah. So there was five of us sharing this mattress like sardines with our gear in the back, driving yeah. to Colorado. And I did most, of the, actually I did all of the driving. 
And uh, we made it to the show. We stayed in some cheap-ass motel uh, down the street from the Gothic. Brave. Very brave. And uh, <laughs> then we got out of the hotel and hung out at the Denny's, which was kind of across the highway from the Gothic, and uh, hung out there until we could actually go to the Gothic and load in. And then Amazing. It was like, what's this? And people we get in there like, what's this? metal band opening up for hardcore bands what's going on right but that was a that's a fantastic tour we learned a lot i learned i personally learned a lot watching lou on stage oh one amazing of the, one of the best front men out there yeah just charismatic and energetic and and he and pete as together just brothers on stage was just amazing yeah fantastic well i just wanted to bring up that memory because i was remember that's that's what you know, got you guys into kind of into my uh, into my brain. So wow, that's that's, that's cool. Chad, do your thing. I am <laughs> my mind is blown of how how uh, much of a steel trap memory you had. He brought up that tour, and you're like, that's the first show on that tour. I can't even, of all of the years that Wilson toured, I don't even remember one tour I could tell you where we kicked the tour off at. It's crazy. Strange. I, I have this memory. You know, I, I wrote down stuff a lot. But I do have this memory. A lot of it was just, I really t just stayed with me. And it was like, yeah. his experience was just so incredible. That must bring me back, bring, with that in mind, bring me back to your, uh, your space at the art school and moving forward from there. It, was it the creative writing side? I mean, I would assume when you're writing words in, in a manner like you would be doing at college, which is you know, an everyday thing that you're you're essentially being graded upon. Do you think that that kind of like parlayed your, not only your steel trap memory, but uh, also your music career? Is that what first got you started and interested in being in a band? Uh, you know, I, um, I moved to LA because of one, I wanted to be a writer and two, I wanted to be in a band. I was just, I loved music. I grew up you know, loving music. You know, you know, many people have parents who listen to music and are, are musicians and my mother was a violin and piano player my dad just he was a actually a, a radio disc jockey for years and a anchor man in houston and he uh you know was into country music and classical and my mom was into you know uh you know classic rock as they say and folk music and so i just enjoyed listening to music so yeah. I, I listened to pretty much music all the time and was in church choirs and school choirs so i just loved singing but uh yeah one of the reasons why i moved to la was one i wanted to be a writer can, can, kinda, can i ask you a little bit more about that because i find it so interesting we all know you i mean i know you and, and justin knows you I'm, just, I'm assuming all of our viewers and listeners know you as the vocalist the singer the musician the artist uh burton c bell but what about the writer like um can you tell me maybe uh how <laughs> i guess trying to figure out how to formulate this question how did you move from creative writing into and utilizing that to find uh, a band i suppose because i'm assuming you went to la without a band and found that band right well i didn't you're right i did not have a band i was in la for probably eight months before i found a band to audition for but um I realized that my writing, I, was very, I, was, I wrote a lot of poetry, uh, I wrote a lot of like essay type of E.B. White type of stuff, uh, just very uh, introspective. And it just, I, I wrote every day. And as I was, you know, my first band, it was called Hey Face. I, I learned that 
what I was into, I could really, um, I could really put into the music. I could really use my words because that's what lyrics are for. Lyrics are essentially poetry put to yeah. music, and that's when I realized, like, oh, I can, I can start my writing and still incorporate my writing into the music, and I could, I could, um, you know, express it the way I want to. And so that's what I started doing, and I real in. And realizing that a lot of my favorite musicians or my favorite vocalists were lyricists, their poet, their lyrics on their own stand on their own, and uh, that's one thing I realized. And so I was like, that's how I really made the move of I could use this as a stepping stone and as a jumping point to really start my writing career. And so I started writing more and more and. That's when the concept started coming into Fear Factory, you know, um, the demanufacture era when the concept really came together, and then the obsolete record when I put the story in there. It was more of a obsolete was more of a kind of a screenplay kind of thing, but it was still story, and it was something I had come up with, and I had the opportunity. It's like that's what I'm gonna use it for. You know, still to this day, those two records in particular, they uh, they not only do they stand the test of time because oh, you know they're futuristic in its in, in all of its sense but your lyrics and your vision what you put there put on paper there and subsequently we, we listen to today um they now all make all of the sense uh when i think about you as a writer and, and it's crazy you know it's a, as a as a writer i've you know of course um just loving books grew up grew up loving science fiction is one of my favorite genres of novels and I realized that science fiction writers were pretty much writing about what they see in their time period, and they just really expand upon it further and put it, you know, put it into a third person where people don't feel threatened like it's actually happening. It's like, wow, this is the world we're living in, it's just a little bit more um, colorful, <laughs> as you used to say. Uh, at this point, can we? Uh, do you mind if we take a if the first question? We're, there's not going to be any continuity. These questions are just going to kind of come at us. So we've got one here from someone who's following, and this is her name is uh, her name is Sherry Bell. My <laughs> wife. <laughs> what artist would you like to collaborate with? Oh man, if I had a dream to, to collaborate with any artist, I would love to collaborate with Willie Nelson. That's great. Well, everyone's jaw that's watching right now just kind of hit the floor. I actually, there's a Watcher song um, uh, off the first record called Moonshine, and I've actually tried to push it. I've actually tried to not sell it, but tried to offer it to Willie Nelson's uh, camp. It's like, I think Willie could really do a great version of the song. I think it would be a perfect song for Willie Nelson to do. So, that didn't work. He's not really taking collaborations right now, but Willie Nelson would be one. Um, Nick Cave would be one. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, I've I've collaborated with a lot of great people already. Uh, Geezer Butler, that was that was an amazing collaboration, yeah. and being a part of his careers and being part of yeah, the Black GDR, Sabbath. You are right. Yeah, being part of the Black Sabbath. Um, <laughs> catalog for, for the end of time is amazing <laughs> uh, i mean your rap sheet is it, it, i'm sorry does, uh, is there any more questions Justin? I have, uh, uh, no we well, i'll just intersperse these in that was i wanted to, i wanted to make sure and, got, and get the thanks hurt. for the question babe <laughs> <laughs> i mean 
both of those answers are, are amazing. But your rap sheet, like you just mentioned, you've collaborated with, with a lot of people and you've been a part of a lot of different projects. Uh, when you got here to Los Angeles, can you, you uh, what was the first band you, you said you, 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 were, you joined called? And we started, or the, band, the first band was Hate Face. Age, age. So after that, I would assume Fear Factory, or was members of that band part of Fear Factory? Fear Factory. Okay. So then, would it be the next uh, space you went into as a as a musician would be Fear Factory? Yes. Yeah, so Hey Face, we lasted about eight months, and we played uh, a few, quite a few shows. And, oh, we lost Chad. We oh, played it. It's Chad and his GoPro. We uh, played quite a few shows in the uh, L.A. area. We even played live on KXLU. Uh, I think it was the Psychotechnics Hour with Jason um, Bentley. And when okay. he was on KXLU. Yeah, yeah. Ben, I mean, yeah, Bentley, the uh, DJ, right? Yeah, he used yeah. to be on KXLU when he was a student there. Oh, wow. So we played live on there, and that was actually our only demo. Um, but we had this one show um, booked at Raji's, the original Raji's. Mm-hmm. And uh, our our bass player suddenly goes, well, his name was Scott Russo. He goes, well, I'm going to Israel for a few months, so I can't do that show. I'm like what? <laughs> so we decided to do the show anyway, but under a different name. Mm-hmm. And the the so the house I was living in in L.A. was in Hollywood, and the band, the you know, Hate Face guys, the drummer and the guitar player. David, the guitar player and drummer, Alex, we all lived together in the same house. And in this house, Dino lived as well. He lived in the okay. upstairs. So Dino was coming to our shows. And when we couldn't do, when, when Scott wasn't going to come do the last show, it's like, okay, well, let's just create another band and do the show anyway. So we wrote like one song actually big god, actually, big god. It's like the it's like the primordial version of the song big god okay uh, dino and i were both into godflesh and uh we played this we played the show under a, a band under a name called ulceration and that was ulceration's only show and after that hayface just disbanded and i started working with dino we, we started working and found a new band and did you guys know at the time of the music you were making was going to be quite groundbreaking? I mean, we knew we already had ministry and, and bands like that, but they were still considered more, obviously, because Al's past being more industrial and you guys are more on the metal edge of things. But, I mean, everything from your vocal presence where this, you know, you have the guttural, then you go to this really wonderful harmonic, which is now employed by everyone from Kill Switch to Soil Work. Yeah. Um, so you had definitely had a massive influence on people. I mean... When you're starting out with a band like that and you're doing Soul New Machine and then you guys really find it with Deep Manufacturer, um, do, you kind of, do, you, do you guys know at that point as an artist, you know, man, we're really onto something that has not been done? Well, I, you know, it was all an evolution, right? And uh, yeah. just the writing process was, first of all, Soul of New Machine was an evolution of learning how to write, learning how to prove to arrange and learning how to perform and finding our space and learning how to perfect what we do. And it was on that record. It wasn't for a while. It wasn't until like, you know, six songs in that we were writing till that vocal style actually came in when one day, you know, we were at rehearsal, just jamming or whatever. And Dito was playing this riff and out of the blue, I, was, I wanted to emulate 
one of my favorite vocalists, uh, Justin Broderick from Godflesh. Oh, yes. Yeah. So instead of like doing a moan kind of thing, I was mine came out more like a singing more of a choir and i was going through a delay pedal and you know it was just the effect it sounded really like textured and it just sounded really angelic and and dino's playing this riff and then all of a sudden the sound coming out of my microphone through my microphone and dino's like stop everything he's like what are you doing I'm like singing he goes, oh, keep doing that and uh so we just started incorporating into started recording a song which the first song we actually wrote together was big god mm. and um from ulceration i incorporated into the fear factory song so oh. we just started using it more and yeah. yeah everything was just an evolution um we were all fans of you know i was more of a fan of like the goth and the industrial and raymond was more of a fan of thrash and death metal and dino was a fan of all of it so it was all just coming together and you know for um we were just adding things that we liked you know we were all in the ministry ministry was one thing that we really brought us together and uh you know there was early early uh rave music it's like you know for remixes and stuff that was one of the things that we wanted to incorporate so martyr the introduction to martyr the tambourine it's a total rave total rave thing <laughs> yeah, you're totally, I mean, obviously you're right, but now, now, now that I'm thinking about that song and that time, that time of listening to that song, when you mentioned ministry, did you pull a lot of influence at that point in time from the band ministry? And I, I know that you were a guest on some of the records too, so was it, you know, well, like after- I was definitely a huge fan of ministry, uh, back then, still am, and, uh, you know, we weren't trying to like pull in like a lot of influences, but we definitely wanted to try and achieve the same things they did, like remixes and uh, sure. try and make it, their music more a little heavier. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, just, so there were a lot of inspiration from them, like a lot of other bands. It's just like we just kind of brought it all together to make this evolution that became Fear Factory. Yeah, yeah. you guys are definitely one of those bands that's you guys have both embraced industrial but industrial uh genre has definitely embraced you whether it's frontline assembly guys or whoever so yeah it, it was always it was always really cool seeing you guys kind of walk that line and again it just added more to what you guys were doing as far as original yeah. content and, and a lot, a lot added, added a lot of depth to the band mm-hmm. and uh added a lot of different um um just you know, um, opportunities for us to play with different types of bands. I mean, we toured, we've toured with, you know, like hardcore bands. We've toured with industrial bands. We've toured with death metal bands. We've toured with goth bands through our entire career. And all the fan, we just, we just, all the fans of every genre seem to embrace us. Oh, little effect. Little, little, little remix. 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 <laughs> okay, so let me ask another quick question um and this is something i actually i think you and i spoke about quickly one of our guys uh jefferson he wants to know if there's gonna be another city of fire record oh man no <laughs> um, <laughs> we did two albums mm-hmm. first one self-titled city of fire and then the second one trial through fire and neither of them are available as far as i know oh, God. <laughs> and, uh, i had a lot of fun doing those albums yeah, I got hold of the first one, and that that that's I, yeah, that was bad. It was it was tough to find the other stuff. So Jefferson, there you go. There's your answer from Burton on that. Yeah, um, I'll but s- it, Justin, uh, I'll send you I'll send you the second one. 
Oh, wonderful. Uh, Jeffson, though, dude, if you're into that, make sure and check out, obviously, Ascension of the Watchers. And if you know City of Fire, you probably know that Burton's doing uh, doing Ascension. So thank you, my friend. Thanks, Burton. I appreciate you answering that question. No worries. Yeah, Ascension of the Watchers has been around since I started that in 2002. Yeah, you're you're quite prolific with the stuff you're working on. So, yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask you, uh, moving you know, moving into that ascension of the Watchers. What I mean, I, you did that record? What in, Pits, in Pittsburgh or Pennsylvania? Or was one of the mem members? Okay, so did you did you like leave Los Angeles for a while and then started to do that, or was it just like a? Did you think it was something you wanted to do and find the players, or did the players come to you, or how did this all work out? I so in two thousand two, I had come to a point in my life where I had to do something. Really, that was I wanted to do something personal. I was searching for something, as they say. Yeah. Um, so in 2002, after the Digimortal uh, whole album cycle, I took a break. So I drove from Los Angeles to Pennsylvania to work with our keyboard player uh, at the time, John Bechtel, um, who's right. now in ministry. But uh, John Bechtel was played for was the keyboardist for Fear Factory. Before that, he was. The keyboards for Murder Inc. and Prong and Killing Joke. Oh, I did not know that. So um, we, you know, on tours, we would share rooms, and we became really good friends. And we had to really, we had a really like, very similar taste in music. We actually had a very almost exact taste in music. I learned a lot from him, um, his stories, and his. He's a, you know, he's a virtual. He's a virtuoso. You know, he can play anything. Yeah. So he had a studio, still does, in Pennsylvania. So I wanted to go to a place that was remote where I could get alone with just me and the music ideas I had. So I went to California with a bag of clothes, a guitar, and uh, uh, some guitar equipment and just camped out in his studio for months. And there we... Uh, helped we started developing the watchers it started becoming the watchers and then we did a demo we for for like six months we recorded five songs just developing the ideas and uh seeing where we wanted to go and where I, where i wanted to take the music and uh, yeah that's in 2002 so 2004 i released new uh iconoclast which was a uh self-released ep that i had made up just a thousand pieces of CD and thousand vinyl. No, five hundred vinyl. Wow. And Is it still available at all? At like physical copies? I only have seventy pieces of vinyl left. Oh, oh really? Yeah. It, did everybody hear that? Uh, are they yeah. online? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, available at BurdenCBell.com. Go out and buy it. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Only available at BurdenCBell.com. You were there for a few months and made the record, and then where, where, where did your travels take you after that? So I ended up, I, found, I fell in love with Pennsylvania. Um, after living in L.A. for what, from 89 to 2002, you know, I, I, had, I had enough of the big city. I fell yeah. in love with the area of Pennsylvania, and, uh, you know, my life started changing, um, you know, started, started a family, and uh, just moved out there for a while. And, uh, you know, that's when I just kept working with John. And then John uh, got a got the gig with Ministry. And because of John... Right, sorry. Huh? 
Fear Factory, Fear Factory was on complete hiatus. Yeah, Fear Factory, Fear Factory was still. I made life choices, so I had to. I was still working with Fear Factory at the time. Uh, start in 2005, Archetype came out, and uh, then 2007, uh, Transgression came out. It was after that I took another break and uh, did the next Watchers album with a full length record on 13th Planet without without Jurgensen's label. Nice. And uh, we did a full length record with new songs. We recorded the older songs, and that was called Numinosum. So you yeah. were really. <laughs> I was going to say that's where your a lot of your, I mean, obviously your goth and more singer songwriter influences definitely sh show through. I mean, there's still not a Fear Factory on there. And no, uh, it's uh, it it's, that it's a very inspiring album. And go back to the song Moonshine. I think you and I had a discussion about that on the original version of Moonshine. Yeah, um, it, that was one of the songs where I was going through a time in my life, and I really needed that song to find me. And that that's the one I came upon, and it was just it was amazing, amazing song. And I, I hope everyone goes out there and checks out that album because it's uh if you want a good Friday night album, it's it's there for right. you. It's, I think it's available on Spotify. Yeah, it's available on. I'm looking on iTunes right now. But it's it's a great, you know, it's it's you know, don't expect Fear Factory because it's nothing like it. But I mean, it's my voice. Yes, and it's all singing, and it's very textured. It's very. Uh, has a very 80s sound to it <laughs> which yeah. I, I love so it's ethereal ambient just you know experimental we did have you do a, that with john, uh with uh with john as well or, or in pennsylvania or is that we're done somewhere else i'm sorry uh, i said did you end up doing the full length uh with john in pennsylvania as well or did you go somewhere else for well, that record we recorded that at al studio in el paso gotcha Oh, so back to Texas. All right. Back to Texas. <laughs> El Paso, the, the most West Texas you can get. <laughs> and we had, we had another question, uh, Burton, and this goes back to more of your writing process, and it's from Sandy. I guess you know her maybe as Sanity. Do you know this person? Sanity sounds familiar. San, her name's Sandy, but I guess she goes by Sanity. It must be some sort of inside thing. But she wants to know when you're doing your writing process, what's the one thing you like about the most and what's your least favorite part? part of, of writing um the best part i love writing uh, i love coming up with the riffs or the piano parts because for for the most part i come with i come up with all the music on the watchers albums so it's either comes from a guitar or piano mostly the new records both half and half guitar and piano but i, I love sitting just coming up with the melody and playing it over and then playing the melody over and over again and just coming up with the arrangement because that's when i'm really feeling it I, you know whatever i'm feeling at the time is coming through my fingers literally playing through my soul strumming the strumming the guitar uh the vibrations are expressing exactly how i'm feeling same with the piano i i sitting in front of the upright the the chords are just resonating through me and that's where i'm feeling that's where the best i'm just getting chills thinking about it right now just the chords and the vibrations all connecting and humming at the same time that's great um, great, that's great answer yeah. and uh you know and at that time i already have an idea of what i want the song to be about no title, you know, sometimes it has a title, sometimes it has a working title, but I already know what the song is about. And that's where, that's where the whole process of writing the song is about that feeling, about that moment. So each song is literally a, a chapter in time. And recording it 
it's even more fun is because it's just the de developing each part, uh, working the sounds in, having John come in and doing counter melodies, um, just coming up with the beats and just how is this going to sound. The creation process is just great all the way through. And uh, oddly enough, the, the most unfavorite part of it is doing vocals. <laughs> <laughs> As a singer, that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> All the other stuff's easy. Doing the vocals is the hardest part. Yeah. You just got me so jacked, like listening to you get so jacked right? already. Dude, I can imagine just like being a musician and being inspired by what you just said. That's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. It's true. You know, as a musician, as a writer, writing the music, that's the best part about it. Just that's why we're our musicians is to feel that to express your soul through the chords of music do you prefer to be alone when you're writing or do you like do you like to be around you know there's there's co-writing obviously when you're writing with your your band part band members or other people or whatever but are you preferred are you one of those guys who prefers to like shut the door for a couple of weeks and uh you know just hammer in or are you Kind of take a moment away from each day and, and dedicate it sounds to me like you're very you're very precise when you have the idea in your head you go to work it's hard to t you know it's hard to dictate um inspiration mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. it usually comes to me i won't lock myself up somewhere but usually i am by myself it's usually late at night it's dark um and i'm you know alone with my thoughts strumming guitar or playing the piano and that's when that's when i can think clearly and just start playing around and uh just the chords just start coming to me and yeah. that's you know being alone is when it usually happens i never yeah. you know it's when i have the idea i work the idea for a while i have the i will have the arrange like a, a, a very rudimentary arrangement for it and that's when I take it. It's like, okay, I have this idea, John. Want to rec let's record this, and we can start building on this. Yeah, I mean, it, the process of it to, to me, what you're what you're describing is similar to something I, I I do myself. But it's always weird when you have to. I don't know. You're a family man. You have, you're at home. You have a girl, right? There's all these things going around. Particularly, I guess may, let's move into the state of, of the world that we're in right now. How do you? How are you able to follow and are you following those uh, rules that you've set up for yourself as far as when inspiration strikes, you know, let's, let's, let's move forward through it, push through it. Uh, are you during right, this time right now to do that or? Um, I, I've only written like, I have this one idea, a musical idea that on piano that I've uh, kind of found again. I, I lost it. I had recorded on my phone and then I saw it again. I was like, oh man, that's pretty good. I had to relearn it. But not much music uh, during this uh, pandemic. But um, I started doing a lot of writing and I started doing the story for um, the, the the next Watchers album, which is not going to be on the album. The story is not going to be in the album. I have another idea for it afterwards. But it's oh, more okay. of a uh, the the new album is called Apocrypha, and Apocrypha is a uh, Apocrypha's secret writings, and so oh. they're like very inspired by the Book of Enoch from the Dead Sea Scrolls, where just you know texts and chapters of moments of of, of history and my history really. And so it's kind of true stories, some embellished, 
yeah. into, into the third person kind of thing. So it really comes around as a, the inspiration really started coming for writing for me on that. That's um, awesome. The Book of Enoch, you're doing an <laughs> extremely deep dive there. Um, <laughs> let's focus on your lyrics for a second. And Chad brought it up earlier. Um, it's, it's funny the world we're living in now is that you guys are almost cryptic in the fact that you wrote these songs some 15, 20 years ago for like Securitron or Fear Campaign and those things have actually come to light. That's what we're living. That's the reality we're living in. Did you ever think in your life that, because when you, I, you know, any fan years ago to read that and go, man, I'm the best cool Philip Dick book or whatever, where he's getting this from. And then you go, wait a minute, holy shit, this is now. Well, it's like, for instance, do manufacture. Yeah, that's what that was happening at that moment. You know, the demanufacture was written uh, during the L.A. riots. You know, that whole time period of Rodney King, uh, the Rodney King beating, the Rodney King trial, then the Rodney King riots. Um, the day the riots started, the it was just me, Raymond, and uh, Dino in the band, and we didn't have a bass player, and we were doing a photo shoot in South Central LA, literally two blocks away from Florence and Normandy. Um, and we were, it was, Joe Garone was the photographer and we were doing a photo shoot in some kind of abandoned warehouse. It was just like, just that total, just a total mess. And so it was like perfect for an industrial metal band that we wanted to be. Yeah. So we were doing that and as we were driving away done with the day we the verdicts were coming in and we were literally driving through florence and normandy as people started to congregate on the corners there like hit the gas <laughs> Go. So, but that was sold in a machine but that was very inspired you know that's what inspired uh, the uh the the way the the um demanufactured move because it was during those riots that the, 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 the National Guard was brought in. Mm -hmm. And where we lived in Hollywood, there was a tank in the, in the parking lot of 7-Eleven. There was, uh, at the end of the street was some high-end uh, you know, automobile store. You know, we sold Lamborghinis and stuff. And the guys who owned the place were literally on top of their... Uh, building with AK-47s and submachine guns, keeping yeah. people away. The Pier 1 right behind our house got busted into, looted. So we were right behind, we were all that was all within 100, 100 feet of our, where we were living at the time together. Mm -hmm. So, and then, uh, then the uh, OJ riots, the OJ thing happened and that was just another complete insanity of injustice. Yeah, And you know, you could feel the tension in the air. You could just feel it. It was just, wherever you go, you just feel the tension from everybody. And it was, you could, that's what, to me, that's the world we were living in, demanufacturing. The world was being deconstructed before our eyes. Yeah. So basically, your albums 20 years on have a ton of relevancy, which, you know, for good or ill, that's still so damned impressive. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, obsolete even more so. Yeah. Um, it's just, I can't, I never thought any of that would come true. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and to me, it's, you know, there's a lot more that can still happen. <laughs> it's like, yeah. just wait, you think it's worse <laughs> yeah, now? We're not, we're not doing that now. Just wait another few months. It's going to get worse. 
Yeah, so wait, you're going to have more material for a future Fear Factory album. Um, real quick, uh, this is kind of a, another one of our uh, viewers here uh, named Brody Bell. Any, any relation? Brody Bell? <laughs> no, maybe. Anyway, Brody well, seems to be, uh, I think Brody's Australian. So if you've got any Australian kin, there you go. Uh, he just wants to know, when, when you're all your touring years, is there a favorite country that you ever toured? Well, um, I do. There's a, I love touring in general and there's a lot of great places to tour a lot of crappy places to tour don't get me wrong there's a lot of memorable places but um you know since he's from australia i have to admit that australia was one of the places i always wanted to go to as a child i remember as growing up i wanted my mom to send me to boarding school in australia (laughs) it's like because it's order (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it never happened. But uh, you know, I was—I just wanted to go there so badly because it just seemed like a whole back then. It was just like a whole new world. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the first time we toured there was '93, end of '93, and uh, I knew I was going to stay. So I had managed to talk to the promoter who was touring with us as a as a tour as a you know, um, tour manager. Yeah. And uh, became uh, friended him, and he, uh, he, I told him I want to stay. And he goes, okay. So everyone else left, and we extended my visa, and I went back to Perth with him, and stayed for another two, three months, uh, just touring the, just traveling the country. I went from Esperance all the way up to Darwin, in a van driving. So it was one of the most. Yeah, one of the most best experiences I've ever had. Seen a lot of cool stuff. You know, but uh, I love Spain. I love I love Germany. You know, I think that's why I love Pennsylvania so much. It reminds me of Germany. Really? Where were you? What was it? Uh, I think Mifflinville or something. Where? Uh, well, it's Mifflinburg. Mifflinburg. John, John lives, and that's where my my children still live in Milton, which is. Uh, not 20 miles away from John on the Susquehanna River, right off of Interstate 80, about two and a half yeah. miles outside of New York. And Milton, Pennsylvania is the home of Chef Boyardee. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I am hungry. That, that made me hungry. Um, hey, I, <laughs> Chad, real quick, I wanted to sneak these questions in since we're kind of on a favorite scheme here. Uh, Dana wants to know what your favorite film score is. Hmm. Wow. Um, off the top of my head is uh, Vangelis version of Vangelis Blade Runner. Solid. That's I, I still listen to that frequently. There you go, Dana. Go go check out Blade Runner again. You hear uh, Van- Vangelis, not the London Symphony Orchestra. There's two different two different versions. They released the London Symphony Orchestra second. But What's the, Van- the, one, the soundtrack? The Vangelis one, or you have to get the Vangelis album in order to get that? No, that you can get the Vangelis one now. Okay. All right. There you go, Dana. And uh, the other one was uh, from Chris. She wants to know what was your first concert and what was your favorite concert as a fan, as a fan. Oh, okay. So Come on, man. It's that first concert. concert. I was, was in eighth grade uh-huh. and uh, living in Houston. So it was, what, 13? Uh, yeah, 13 maybe. And uh, my brother and I, I have a twin brother who's also a musician, uh, he, he, he and I, uh, were big fans of a band called Air Supply. So oh, wow. 
they were playing so you every that, man that's a not even playing astral world oh, no. was a six you remember astral world well not the travis scott astral world but astral world yeah the amusement astral park houston texas there was just a family amusement park with the cyclone roller coaster absolutely and uh so they played outdoors in the astro world field on some kind of back it was a it was a yeah, they turned the stage into some moonscape <laughs> they're all wearing different colored uh jumpsuits and the laser show was amazing oh, and the films, well, yeah it was <laughs> and my brother and i had enough money so my brother and i had enough money i'm like laughing <laughs> had enough money between the two of us to buy one shirt <laughs> a size large we'll keep it in the middle <laughs> so we traded days wearing it <laughs> that's awesome well, the funny thing is, though, as a vocalist, though, you have to give props to those guys because those harmonies and everything are just pristine to this day. Oh, it's a, oh man. Classic it's incredible. songs. Classic <laughs> songs. Beautiful songs. And very, you know, don't don't laugh or you can go ahead and laugh. No, but, uh, dude. Listen. I've influenced an air supply in my music. <laughs> listen, dude. Especially with Ascension, I could see it totally. And anyone that says they don't have two or three of those bad boys jacked up on their favorites list is is a complete liar. Well, even in They're Fear Factory, even in Fear Factory, the vocals, you know, all my vocals are inspired by bands <laughs> I've been been influenced by. The, the so, rustles of air supply, <laughs> dude, you know, the harmonies, you know, yeah. piss Christ, <laughs> zero signal. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna go check zero signal after this and go. Where's that air supply? <laughs> um, what, was that? what was the second part to the question? Uh, your, your your favorite concert? Favorite concert I've ever seen? Well, I've seen first concert is air supply. What was your favorite concert? I think uh, even though I've seen Nick Cave a few times, great concerts all the time. But I think the one concert that really just blew me away was one on tour we were maybe 10 years ago, maybe a little bit, 10, 12 years ago, we were in Belgium playing a festival and Massive Attack headlined. Oh. And uh, Fear Factor was there, Ministry was there, and uh, Backyard Babies. And, uh, but Massive Attack was headlining, and I, I had some mushrooms with me. So... John was there. I go, John, we're going to eat some mushrooms. We're going to go watch Massive Attack. So half an hour before Massive Attack started, we ate these mushrooms and we started walking. We walked our way through the entire crowd. Just a sea of people. Just a beautiful Belgian night. You know, the sun was setting. And uh, just, we walked. My, I love seeing shows right in front of the sound booth. That's where it sounds the best. Yeah. We walked right to the front of it, great view, and the, the bass just comes up from the bottom of the earth, just right through my feet. And I'm just feeling and the people just moving like waves, and the light show was just amazing. I got a lot of good shows, um, a lot of more festival shows. I remember I sometimes they're drug-related, but this one, <laughs> the second time we played the Dynamo <laughs> Festival in Holland, yeah, I, was, I tripped on. I was doing some acid, and while Typo Negative was playing during the sunset, I was climbing up the uh, lighting rig, and I was hanging above them in the lighting rig, watching them <laughs> play on acid. On acid, watching them do uh, 
um, summer breeze as the sun is setting. Oh, God. God, I remember it was amazing. Back <laughs> to the massive attack, being on mushrooms and listening to stuff from mezzanine, that's, that'll raise you off the ground, man. That's levitation. Yeah, uh, so, but yeah, that was one of my favorite shows ever. <laughs> Chris, there you go. You got a hell of a good, those are two great stories behind his favorite shows. So thank you, Chris. Thanks, Burton. Those are great. Yeah, I could just go on forever with stories. I'm like Teddy Ruxpin. Well, I got I got a question for you then. So all these favorites, uh, what were, as a touring musician, what was your favorite tour? What has been your favorite tour? Like ever of all? It was opening up for uh, <clears throat> uh, Sepultura in 1994. Okay, I'll say Detour, and Fear Factory, Clutch, Fudge Tunnel, and Sepultura, and uh, man, every band was on fire. Clutch would. Clutch was amazing. Became really good friends with those guys. Fudge Tunnel was a huge. I was already a big fan of Fudge Tunnel, which was Alex Newport's band, who he, who uh, uh, Max did Nail Bomb with. But Fudge Tunnel was an earache band that I was really into. It was like pre grunge, but it was like so heavy. It was just so amazing. They did a version of Sunshine of My Love, which is still probably the best. Now I love it better than the original. I was going to say oh. that that seems like one artist you would have probably worked with was Alex. I would I would love to, uh, yeah. but we never did. So, did. Was that tour a long one? How, did you guys go to multiple continents? No, it was just in the states. It was like three, two months, three months through the states. It's a lot of shows. Nearly killed us. <laughs> we were in a we were touring in a 1986 Allegra RV. Nice. Came basically on six wheels. (laughs) (laughs) And there was seven seven big dudes on this RV, and uh, I was doing most of the driving. But uh, you know, first of all, having just like a toilet in an RV where like seven dudes are just drinking all the time—it's just not a good idea. Yeah, yeah. Only number one, but only number one. Or pull down the window. <laughs> oh man, we blew like four tires on that tour, and every time I was just—I had to change the tire because no one knew else how to do it. So I was changing the tire, and every time I was underneath the RV, just praying it would land on me. Just crush me now. <laughs> oh my god, that's awful! But that's also, awful. the road is so glamorous. Oh yeah, they have no idea. Oh, it's crazy. <laughs> So let's focus real quick, Chad and, and Bert. Let's focus on uh, Shiprock here for a minute. You were obviously a stowaway this year and, 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 and things. And I'll tell you, when the list, when Danny presented the list of who was going to stow us, and I saw your name, I swear to God, I had to do a triple take. Yeah. Um, and I was completely stoked. So tell us about your Shiprock experience. Well, it's, it's, uh, Shiprock was pretty incredible. It's the third time I've done a cruise, but it's the first time I was actually like, an artist on my own and uh it was you know fantastic it was i was part of introduced to a whole like different genres of course i knew people on there mm-hmm. there's a lot of people i knew on there i met a lot of great people but the experience was just amazing a lot of cool bands um living color what an amazing yeah uh band you know vernon reed just the quintessential musician and and uh cory Corey, just an incredible human being. Just everyone was just super cool. Everyone on the whole ship, just super cool. It's just like being backstage at a, at a festival constantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, positive, just 
the positive ass nature of everyone just so awesome and yeah they might have been drunk a lot which is fine but you know i was too when i wasn't gonna be working i was sober the days i was working until after i worked and then i that all changed but man <laughs> incredible experience i would love to do it again with uh you know if i could get the watchers on there i would i would totally do a goth night or something there <laughs> alan, you're, alan you're watching this so you, you just you just heard burton you just heard me said well uh, i'll nudge him um what was your experience like with them with the ship rockers themselves the fans they're really cool um very uh you know, a lot of them didn't have any idea who i was a few of them did um they were very uh open and uh very happy to see me and uh after i did my performance uh they just really enjoyed it they's like they they're like man that was great it was never heard of you before i'm gonna check you out now and just like everyone was just super cool and uh yeah just one of the best experiences i ever had and, and, and really that's you mentioned that they, um, they'll check you out and they will check you out because they are they are super open-minded super opinionated but super uh they're super knowledgeable about music i mean they'll I mean, I'm sure a few people who came up to you probably own everything you've ever put out by now. Yeah, there was a few people that did have you. Know, I'm a huge fan. And there yeah. was a, a few people like, I've never heard of you before, but I'm a fan now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, It was funny because I was talking to Randy Weitzel after I think oh, he did. I love that guy. Randy did Edge Crusher with you. Yeah, really everyone who played with me, everyone who played with me just kicked it. Just yeah. kicked it. Yeah. So it just and, you know, it's it's obviously a trip for those guys because, you know, you're, you know, Burton, you've been around, and you know you're a fan. You're a favorite for a lot of these new, newer musicians, and you know, obviously, in this moment, and those guys have been around a long time too. But it's always cool to hear when other musicians go, "Fuck, man, I'm gonna play so and so," and it's it's really cool to hear that because I just love the fact at the end of the day, everyone's a fan. I had a great time. You know, everyone was a great, you know, very professional. Yeah, it's just uh, was there to have fun. And, uh, you know, and that was the best part about it. Everyone was like, you know, we're going to play the best we can. And, you know, it's, it's, you're playing on a boat outside. How great is it going to be? <laughs> but uh, it was actually pretty damn good. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Hey, what was your, I didn't catch it. What was your, what was your dad joke? My dad joke? Did you have a dad joke? Do you have a Michael Jackson joke? Oh, <laughs> I got a couple. I got a Michael Jackson joke. Well, let's hear it anyway. Because I think the old one, I just didn't catch the. I didn't catch oh, the. Michael Jackson's joke was, uh, "What do McDonald's hamburgers and Michael Jackson have in common?" What? With fifty-year-old meat between five-year-old buns. Terrible. We'll We're going to leave that one there. Here's, here's, a, here's, a, here's a healthy dad joke. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. What does zero say to eight? What? Nice belt. <laughs> that was not what I was about it. <laughs> that's, that's pure gold. <laughs> uh, you know, musicians want to be comedians, and comedians want to be musicians. Thousand you're 100 percent right. It's, and, that's I'm, the and I'm neither, so I'm just a hack at both of them. Self-deprecation. So let's then let's let's move on to Ascension and, and, and the new the new material. You get the new album coming out this fall. Yep, October 9th, Ascension of the Watchers, new album called Apocrypha uh, is being released uh, through Dissonance uh, worldwide. And uh 
there are pre-order links on my Instagram page and the Watchers Instagram page and uh, Facebook and also Dissonance, uh, D-I-S-S-O-N-A-N-C-E. So you can pre-order it. But um, yeah, this album has been 10 years in the making since the last album came out in 2008. And the whole time I've been, you know, finding, uh, trying to find uh, uh, the right um, place to record it and trying to find the right outlet. And everything really didn't, this whole record really started to come to fruition, really started to uh, come together when uh, my friend Jace Lewis, uh, who's Welsh and and an artist in his own, a very well-renowned artist in his in his own right, he's toured with Gary Newman a lot. He's put out his own solo records. Uh, he's very well known um, in that scene. Uh, has his own studio in Wales, and I had the opportunity to visit him in Wales three or four four years ago. And I brought my guitar, and it has what he calls a modern analog studio, and it's in South Wales, connected to a 250 year old manor in the countryside beautiful rolling hills of, of Wales and uh, it was beautiful and it was just one of those perfect settings and we tested I so I had a guitar with me so I had two ideas I wanted to record with him so I recorded a song called Ghost Heart or demoed a song called Ghost Heart and I demoed a song called The End Is Always The Beginning and we just started building on those songs and we did vocals and just kind of started building I was there for two weeks recorded two songs and we've been built those songs and was like, Hey, let's do the whole record. So yeah, we did a pledge music campaign, which was bittersweet because it was successful, but it wasn't because pledge music went bankrupt. So yeah, it was a horrible situation for a lot of bands, but it really, it helped us able to record the album. And so you got your phone, right? They didn't like, no, Oh shit! Man. Is this going to follow? Is this album going to kind of fall in the same lines as uh, as the last one, as far as like the, the music itself? Or are you, you changing up kind of like your themes or just the sound? Or yeah, the theme is the same. The themes are the same. It was all the, the essential. The Watchers. The Watchers was all based. The Watchers based upon the, the Book of Enoch because the Watchers came down from heaven. So the idea of the Watchers is always. The, uh, the the songs of one watcher pleading and and uh, to return to heaven and because the watchers have been banished to banished from heaven for all of eternity so he's pleading to his true love to come back to heaven so it's all about that so it's uh, but the sound the production quality it's it's to me it's far more um, the, the the whole concept is really visualized on this album for the Ascension of the Watchers, uh, for concept and f- lyrical and uh, sound. It's just the production is immense, so it's it's it sounds way different, but has the same quality of music, same type of style. You know, every song is different, uh, very very ambient, some ethereal, just you know, beautiful. A lot of just not not yeah just it's hard to explain but it's just the production is very very on top and jace chase made that happen he's a up-and-coming producer and i'm excited and now he's the drummer of ascension the watchers (laughs) 
<laughs> you win and you win. That's yeah. right. That's right. So um, people out there that are watching along, fans of Burton, you guys can understand that, uh, again, Ascensions is pretty far away from Fear Factory, but it's still story-based like Fear Factory. So I think you And you'll hear a lot of similarities mm -hmm. in this new record where it's like it, it's familiar, but it's not Fear Factory. Well, I think when you wow. apply your voice to anything, I, people are always going <laughs> to... Well, thanks. Remember, that memory imprint, no pun intended. Well, no. Well, that's one thing. Chase, yeah. Chase helped me found the voice that I kind of buried. I was sort of repressed for a long time to keep this this goth voice kind of that I have, that mm -hmm. this voice that I did used a lot on GZR, the voice I used a lot on Demanufacturing Obsolete, that really did kind of moved away from, deviated from a lot. Uh, pressed uh, flute productions or whatever, but Chase helped bring the sound of my voice back, and so it's a very resonant tone in my voice that is very familiar. That's awesome. Hey, so uh, we had a couple questions, uh, a couple, two more questions, if you don't mind, Burton. Is that cool? I don't mind at all. All right, one of them is Scott wants to know: Has Monolith been scrapped? No. No, there you go, Scott. There you go. No, and secondly, uh, is there going to be any another uh, graphic novel from you? Uh, yes, <laughs> um, <laughs> working on the second. Still working on the. I'm trying to find an artist for the second industrialist, uh, the follow up to the industrialist, which will be the industrialist, the end of line. Still trying to looking for an artist that was, wants to work with me, and uh, there. The the other one's going to be the essentially the Watchers Apocrypha of Stormcrow. Oh, Jesus God, you got to know something's going on. So uh, Scott, uh, no, hasn't been scrapped, and uh, I'm not going to say who asked the uh, graphic novel question because she's resides in your house. Um, <laughs> but it's good, and people need to know this information. Uh, yes, another graphic novel will be coming out, and then also one for the Ascension uh, project. Um, Chad, did you have anything to finish up? We've had Burton here for over an hour, and I could go another hour, uh, quite hey, honestly. We've been, we've been talking for over an hour? Yeah, See, you know that? Give me tell the stories. I can just go on for hours. I'm enthralled by your life, man. I can't. I, I, I'm going to send you a follow-up email, and I don't want to hear more about your writing career and all that. I mean, it just... It's really inspiring. I, I want to say thanks for having, having email, me, email me anytime, Chad. Be, you know, we're in the same town. Let's connect during Let's connect. the pandemic. Yeah, man. Uh, I no, I have nothing else to ask for. I mean, I uh, I'm a huge fan, and uh, I'm just well, excited to be you. a part of you. And uh, thanks for giving us the time. My pleasure. Uh, appreciate you. Appreciate you being a fan, and just appreciate you just being so. You you and Justin are so some of the coolest people I've ever met. Oh, and, uh, you well, know. hey, I take it to heart. Thanks, Burton. We really appreciate okay. that. Ever um, since I met I met Justin on the uh, cruise, and. Uh, I know. I felt like I was like I got him in a no, car. I'm on the beach. I, I kind of have like a man crush on you. Hey, hey. <laughs> there we go. Feelings mutual. But before we sign off, guys, there's Shiprock. If you guys are interested in picking up any of Burton's, uh, either you know swag or, or pre-ordering the album or getting some of his uh, other albums, obviously you can always go to any of the. Uh, services like amazon and things like that to pick up the old fear factory stuff um but if you're looking for some of the newer stuff go to burtoncbell.com uh, we also have a link up now for plastic head uh merch which actually has uh 
the stuff uh, for the new album uh, pre-sale. And then also um, Ascension of the Watchers right now. That page is still in progress, but there is a splash page. We'll get you all That's the information about the new record. And, uh, you know, we're trying to book a tour as soon as they can book tours, really. Just yeah. everyone's in the same boat. No, yeah, absolutely. Intended, but. <laughs> but Burton, man, listen, this has been an absolute pleasure. You, seriously, my friend, are a true original. Um, in Thank this, you very in, much. Appreciate that. And, uh, we appreciate what you're doing. And, and just to watch your uh, evolution as an artist has, has been a lot of fun. Um, Thank you. Man. I will continue to evolve. So everyone who's paid attention tonight, thank you so much. Thank you for spending your Thursday with us. Uh, we'll definitely have a Making Waves number six coming up at some point. And uh, again, look for all of Burton's uh, work, especially the Ascension stuff that's coming out this fall. Bye for Christmas for everyone you know. Yeah, perfect uh, time. Perfect perfect time for Christmas. You. Best of the family. And uh, you know, we'll get through this all together at some point. So all you guys. Chad, you be yeah. well. See you in Waterford. Right. See you in Waterford. <laughs> <laughs> See you, Justin. We'll talk soon, buddy, okay? All right, peace. Bye, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King, an off-road minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media.